Welcome to Charm the Water. My name's Aaron David. Um, this is Day of the Moon, and I'm just going to jump right into it. We're going to be reading from Rudolf Steiner's 1947 work, Knowledge of the Higher Worlds and Its Attainment. Um, I stayed away from Steiner for so long because I worked with some Waldorf people, and... I'm not a fan of Steiner's people. I got I'm not a big fan of people in general, but you know, I feel it's my duty to be here and talk about this stuff. Uh, you know, I'm not asking for money. I'm not um, monetizing anything. I'm not asking for sponsors. I'm simply here doing this because it may reach somebody somewhere, and this is important stuff. <laughs> really important. For humanity, uh, that's how great its immediacy is. And I believe that there are more people meeting the guardian on the threshold uh, than ever before in the history of time. What does that mean exactly? Uh, Joseph Campbell called it the hero's journey. And on the diagram, you can see the call to adventure the next door is this guardian, the dweller on the threshold. Um, I believe it's inevitable that you will come face to face with this being. Uh, and I began to look a lot at near-death experiences, uh, the void experiences therein, uh, the more celestial experiences therein, and the very large number of people who saw a what they claim is a demonic face that got my attention. Uh, and I'm interested in all of this due to my very first conjuration, Venus initiation. And I guess to try to explain what happened, I can go to Ursula K. Le Guin's book, A Wizard of Earthsea, which I had read an excerpt about. I've spent years trying to figure out what happened to me. I didn't read her book, her novel, until, you know, on this journey of trying to figure out what happened to me, along with, along with going to Jung and uh, David Shoemaker, um, in many other places, with many other people in the history of Charm of the Water trying to understand this. But of course, I don't want to ruin that <laughs> novel for you, but a fledgling wizard does a conjuration and this shadow demon being emerges into the world of the wizard. Um, like manifest itself in this domain a conjuration <laughs> and uh the rest of the novel this fledgling wizard spends trying to uh put the genie back in the bottle and it's a i i guess at that point i'm going to go to uh to steiner and let him elucidate on uh, this phenomenon because I believe it's a very real phenomenon. I believe what I saw the night of July 
15th, 2016. I'm not alone in seeing that or that figure. Um, and I hope this helps people out there who may think they're losing their, their mind. They're losing something, but it's not their mind. Uh, so we'll go to Steiner now. Uh, chapter 9, The Guardian of the Threshold. The important experiences making the student's ascent into the higher worlds include his meeting with the Guardian of the Threshold. Strictly speaking, there are two Guardians, a lesser and a greater. The student meets the lesser Guardian when the threads connecting willing, feeling, and thinking within the finer astral and etheric bodies begin to loosen in the way described in the foregoing chapter. The greater guardian is encountered when this sundering of the connections extends to the physical parts of the body that is at first to the brain. The lesser guardian is a sovereign being. He does not come into existence as far as the student is concerned until the latter has reached the requisite stage of development. I'm going to pause and insert that I believe that requisite stage of development is generally arrived at uh, with the transit of Saturn. So around the age of 2930, uh, what we hear the age of Christ was. Um, let's see here. Where was I? Only some of his most important characteristics can be can here be indicated. The attempt will now be made to describe in narrative form this meeting with the lesser guardian of the threshold, as a result of which the student learns that his thinking, feeling, and willing have been become released within him from their inherent connection. A truly terrible spectral being confronts him, and he will need all the presence of mind and faith in the security of his path, which he has had ample opportunity to acquire in the course of his previous training. All right, I'm going to pause here and say, this is not a metaphor. We're talking about a actual face-to-face -face encounter. Um, I just want to make that clear. The Guardian proclaims his signification somewhat in the following words. Uh, Hitherto, powers invisible to thyself watched over thee. And uh, that very much brings, I'm interjecting myself here again, brings to mind uh, Paul's referring to the principalities and powers of the air and what the Jewish people called the Maseroth, um, the circle of animals, which is, of course, the zodiac. Um, so, all right, continuing with uh, Steiner. Hitherto powers, again, this is what Steiner is saying, the guardian is saying. Uh, Hitherto powers invisible to thyself watched over thee. They saw to it that in the course of thy lives, plural, each of thy good deeds brought its reward, and each of thine evil deeds was attended by its evil results. So, me interjecting again here, uh, we can clearly see in that phrasing Jung's shadow. Jung's concept of the shadow, not Jung's shadow. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, thanks to their influence, thy character formed itself out of thy life experiences and thy thoughts. They were the instruments of thy destiny. Me interjecting again, again comes that notion of coming forth by day. All right, continuing. Um, uh, they ordained that measure of joy and pain allotted to thee in thine incarnations according to thy conduct in lives gone by. They ruled over thee as the all-embracing law of karma. These powers will now partly release thee from their constraining influence. And henceforth must thou accomplish for thyself a part of the work which hitherto they performed for thee. Now, again, I'm going to interject. He said, Steiner is saying, the guardian is saying, um, once he's encountered, those powers are going to release the initiate from their constraining influence. And uh, I've, I've always found it fascinating that the Stele of Jude, the Headless Rite, and the PGM, the Greek Magical Papyri, is called a, um, what do they call that? <laughs> uh, what do they call that? It's a Catholic term. Uh, it's gone from my mind. Exorcism. That's it. I think. Yeah, the notion of deliverance from a spirit or something like that. Uh, and right of exorcism. So I've always thought that was extraordinarily peculiar. Um, and it's very peculiar to me. The, the You know, I grew up in the evangelical church with uh, people talking about demons. And then to come to having to come all the way back around and being like, well, yeah, there's demons. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> That's very humbling. Uh, all right. I've got distracted here. ADHD kicking in. Here we go again. Uh, destiny struck thee many a hard blow in the past. Thou knewest not why. Each blow was the consequence of a harmful deed in a bygone lie. Uh, the Again, I'm interjecting. I just can't stop myself. Uh, the way in which Anubis acts as the shaman's gate, I'm quoting Terence Duquesne's work here. Uh, we now know Anubis did not have uh, the head they thought he had of a jackal, but it's actually a wolf. Um, we know that now. And uh, his role as guardian, um, guardian of the realm of the dead and uh, what happens when you die and you encounter Anubis and his wolf head and me kind of pondering this among the uh, near-death experiences of people 
encountering demonic heads. It's very fascinating to me. The greatest offense to Anubis is lying. Um, he's the one who weighs the heart and the balance against a feather. And so um, what the goat head told me was they are all liars. This biblical thing around liars, again, uh, I'm having to come back around and see this in a whole new light, um, in a new context. All right, I'm going to continue on. Thou foundest joy and gladness, and thou didst take them as they came. They too were the fruits of former deeds. Thy character shows many a beautiful side and many an ugly flaw. Thou hast cast thyself to thank, or um, thou hast thyself to thank for both, for they are the result of thy previous experiences and thoughts. These were till now unknown to thee. Their effects alone were made manifest. The karmic powers, however, beheld all thy deeds in former lives and all thy most secret thoughts and feelings and determined accordingly thy present self and thy present mode of life. But now all the good and evil sides of thy bygone lives shall be revealed to thee. Hitherto they were interwoven with thine own being. Did you hear that? They were in thee, and thou couldst not see them, even as thou canst not behold thine own brain with physical eyes. But now they become released from thee. They detach themselves from thy personality. Whoa. <laughs> I guess in the next episode, I'm going to have to go. I, I feel the need to explain why this means so much to me and once again go over the entire story of what happened to me in my first spirit conjuration and even how ancestry work ancestral magical work led up to this and i was having some wild dreams warning me of what was coming it's unbelievable and then when it came it's even more unbelievable but this is what it's about um you know, I've gone through so much materials from different traditions, looking at this from so many different angles. And it's like, I don't think I would be ready for what Steiner is saying here until now. I just found this last night. And after this almost six years now of sitting with this experience and many more experiences, um, this has just like floored me. So uh, again, the headless rite as an exorcism. Pair that with what Steiner's guardian just said. If we want to see the office of this being, this guardian who's speaking to us, um, it is Anubis. All right, so, um, but, you know, how the guardian appears to you, it's going to be according to your karma. Uh, 
which what I saw, it just blows me away. All right. Uh, they assume an independent form, which thou canst see, even as thou beholdest the stones and plants of the outer world. And I am that very being who shaped my body out of thy good and evil achievements. My spectral form is woven out of thine own life's record. Till now thou hast borne me invisibly within thee. And it was well that this was so, for the wisdom of thy destiny, though concealed from thee, could thus work within thee, so that the hideous stains on my form should be blotted out. Now that I have come forth from within thee, that concealed wisdom, too, has departed from thee. It will pay no further heed to thee. It will leave the work in thy hands alone. I must become a perfect and glorious being or fall a prey to corruption. And should this occur, I would drag thee also down with me into a dark and corrupt world. If thou wouldst avoid this, then thine own wisdom must become great enough to undertake the task of that other concealed wisdom which has departed from thee. As a form visible to thyself, I will never for an instant leave thy side once thou hast crossed my threshold. <laughs> oh my God. And in future, when thou dost act or think wrongly, thou wilt straightway perceive thy guilt. That sentence is extraordinarily true. And I think of Crowley, this is me interjecting again, um, when Crowley said that uh, by the time a person would become enough of a magus to kill somebody with magic, they would know better. All right, uh, continuing. Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't the end of the sentence. And in the future, whenever thou dost act or think wrongly, thou wilt straightway perceive thy guilt as a hideous demoniacal distortion of my form. Um, interjecting again, uh, Christ on the cross and his becoming sin. Uh, the image of Baphomet. What is going on here? What is being said? Of course, Steiner is known as a Christian mystic, but also very much uh, an occultist. Uh, and again, I, this is, this is, I just have not read this before. All right. Only when thou hast made good all thy bygone wrongs and hast so purified thyself that all further evil is for thee a thing impossible, only then will my being have become transformed into radiant beauty. Then too shall I again become united with thee for the welfare of thy future activity. There is the holy guardian angel. I'm sorry, this is me interjecting again. Uh, I think of the movie. It was on Netflix. I can't remember what it was called, but it was about the holy guardian angel. It was about this woman and I can't remember the circumstances, but she was so desperate. She went to this magician 
and uh, he and her went off and isolated, and he made her pull her pants down and spread her cheeks. But that's it's that's besides the point. <laughs> At the end of it all, <laughs> what the hell is that called? At the end of it all, she beholds the holy guardian angel. But it's only after this very demonic underworld experience and confrontation. Um, and I think of um, the book of Abramel and all the spirits that are called in preparation for the meeting uh, with the HGA. The head spirit, uh, Aaron Leach in his work, um, talks about that. And it's very interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, continuing on. Um, yet my threshold is fashioned out of all the timidity that remains in thee. That's very fascinating. Out of all the dread of the strength needed to take full responsibility for all thy thoughts and actions, as long as there remains in thee a trace of fear of becoming thyself the guide of thine own destiny, just so long will this threshold lack what still remains to be built into it. And as long as a single stone is found missing, just so long must thou remain standing as though transfixed or else stumble. Seek not then to cross this threshold until thou dost feel thyself entirely free from fear and ready for the highest responsibility. Hitherto I only emerged from thy personality when death recalled thee from an earthly life. Did you hear that? This is me interjecting again. I'm thinking about all the people who've had near-death experiences and say that they have encountered this demonic figure. They've seen this demonic face. Listen to this. Hitherto I only emerged from thy personality when death recalled thee from an earthly life. But even then my form was veiled from thee. Only the powers of destiny who watched over thee beheld me and could thus in the intervals between death and a new birth build in thee in accordance with my appearance that power and capacity thanks to which could labor in a new earth life at the beautifying of my form for thy welfare and progress. It was I too whose imperfection ever and again constrained thy powers of destiny to lead thee back to a new incarnation upon earth. I was present at the hour of thy death, and it was on my account that the lords of karma ordained thy reincarnation. And it is only by thus unconsciously transforming me to complete perfection in ever recurring earthly lives that thou could have escaped the powers of death and passed over into more immortality united with me. Visible do I thus stand before thee today, just as I have ever stood invisible beside thee 
in the hour of death. When thou shalt have crossed my threshold, thou wilt enter those realms to which thou hast hitherto only had access after physical death. Thou dost now enter them with full knowledge, and henceforth as thou wanderest outwardly visible upon the earth, thou wilt at the same time wander in the kingdom of death, that is in the kingdom of life eternal. I am indeed the angel of death, but I am at the same time the bearer of a higher life without end. Through me thou wilt die with thy body still living to be reborn into an imperishable existence. So this is me interjecting again. Not only here in this figure of the uh, guardian on the threshold is the figure of Anubis who oversees, you know, processes of burial and taking care of the body of the deceased. Um, But also here is very much what the guardian just revealed. It's the angel of death. So here is a very Saturn um, indicator. Uh, Cassiel and specifically the demon of Saturn, Zazel, and all of this Capricornian stuff pertaining to life, death, and rebirth. All of that December 25th, heart of darkness, uh, messianic savior of light stuff. (laughs) It's all wrapped up in this. I'm just like blown away. All right, continuing into this kingdom. uh, By the way, uh, I would highly recommend uh, Terence Duquesne's Jackal at the Shaman's Gate. I may read that in the future. We're at 26 minutes. Uh, That piece would definitely take maybe two or three episodes, but uh, maybe one. Anyway, continuing with Steiner and the Guardian. Into this kingdom thou art now entering. Thou will meet beings that are super sensible and happiness will be thy lot. But I myself must provide thy first acquaintance with that world. This as well as the psychopomp figure of Hermes, the psychopomp. Um, Hermanubis. Such strong themes with this figure. Um, And I am thy own creation. Formerly I drew my life from thine, but now thou hast awakened me to a separate existence so that I stand before thee as the visible gauge of thy future deeds, perhaps too as thy constant reproach. Thou hast formed me, but by doing so thou hast undertaken as thy duty to transform me. I'm going to interject here again. My magical mentor got me started in all this was Rufus Opus. What other magicians said about Rufus Opus was that he was reckless in putting the magical tech out there into people's hands who had no idea what they were getting into. I was one of those people. (laughs) Rufus Opus, I've talked with him on this program before. He's aware 
somewhere in the recess of his of his mind I've told him my experience before and uh, one time I don't remember something on social media he commented on and he he was kind of jesting in his Rufus Opus way kind of poking jesting about my holy guardian demon and I didn't like that because I don't have the understanding um, built in that I do now or that is growing in me because it was very much a demonic experience that night of July 2016 very much scared the hell out of me for a good six to eight months terrifying uh, and that it wasn't just that night this figure well I don't want to get too much into my my personal experiences right now but um, it bothered me that he said called it the holy guardian demon because you know the notions around the holy guardian angel are very idealized and very literarily transcendent and stuff and I didn't want to I thought well am I a devil worshiper like what has happened here <laughs> why did that show up <laughs> why did that show up and scare the living shit out of me why do I get that you know I hear Ashin Jasan over here talking about seeing his scryer and seeing angels in the crystal like why do I get this well we'll each get something different unique to us who will reveal himself to be this guardian but uh, I digress again I'm just getting carried away completely in the reading of this Nobody could possibly use this as a reference for this piece. It's too chopped up with my my jabbering. Where was I? Uh, okay. Into this kingdom thou art now entering. Thou will meet beings. Okay, we read that. As thy duty to transform me. Uh, interjecting again. I also have heard the sphere of modern magicians. Uh, the people in the culture now uh, they have shifted from this angel demon dichotomy to more of a there's no doubt about it Jake Stratton Kent is the originator of this shift in a culture in a culture's understanding of spirits and the spiritual world there's no doubt about it in my mind uh, that Jake Stratton Kent is the magician responsible for this shift. Not solely, but a huge part of it lay on his work. Um, there is this notion, I, I forget the guy's name, he, he has empirical arts. Uh, Rufus Opus has... Um, what do you call it when you sit down with somebody and ask him questions interviewed him uh i cannot think of his name let me let me try to find it real quick empirical arts goetia this should get it 
Imperial Arts. And his name is, come on, my, I'm just blanking out. I don't know why I can't remember it. I, what is your name, sir? Imperial Arts. Oh, this is annoying. John King the Third, I think something like that. Pretty sure it is. I'm just not seeing it. But uh, he's been on Live Journal for a very long time as Imperial Arts. And there's a lot of stuff there. And um, let me move away from that back to our reading. His was the first time he has a, if I'm not mistaken, Mormon background. Uh, I can vaguely remember the interview, but his notion around demons and Goetia is that as you raise the spirit up, uh, so too are you raised up. And at the time I was like, Mormons are weird. I was coming from a place of, uh, five point Calvinism. So I had my own notions around these things and a lot of it took a lot of time for those to be dissolved and me to be able to come into the place where I could face uh, some of these things uh, so I think this being is speaking truth when he says it's our duty to transform the ugliness um It, it doesn't sound like I'm conceptually saying this right, but I'll continue on and maybe Steiner will help us out. It will be gathered from the above that the guardian of the threshold is an astral figure revealing itself to the student's awakened higher sight. And it is to this supersensible encounter that the spiritual science conducts him. It is a lower magical process to make the guardian of the threshold physically visible also. I have no interest doing that one. No, thank you. That was attained by producing a cloud of fine substance, a kind of frankincense resulting from a particular mixture of a number of substances. The developed power of the magician is then able to mold the frankincense into shape, animating it with the still unredeemed karma of the individual. Interesting he used those terms, that theological term, unredeemed karma of the individual. Um, and thinking of the biblical, going back to the Torah, the notion of uh, the scapegoat, the sacrificial goat, and the one that was set free to Zazel in the wilderness. Such powerful themes all throughout different traditions and different times and different places, explaining, describing this reality. Um, all right, continuing. By the way, that was me interjecting again. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, da, 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 da. Such physical phenomena are no longer necessary for those sufficiently prepared for the higher sight. And besides this, anyone who sees without adequate preparation his unredeemed karma appear before his eyes as a living creature would run the risk of straying into evil byways. Uh, Butler or Bulwer Lytton's Zanoni contains in novel form a description of the guardian of the threshold. I want to get that, uh, the, me interjecting again. I have heard, um, was it the Hermetic Hour with Frater? I can't remember his name. It's been so long. Uh, but he, he's talking about this. 
I cannot remember. It's been so long, man. So I've been involved in anything out there. I've uh, forgotten everything. So uh, continuing with Steiner, what is here indicated is narrative form in narrative form must not be understood in the sense of an allegory, but as an experience of the highest possible reality befalling the esoteric student. That has me interested. That has me interested. I want to get that book. The guardian must warn him not to go a step further unless he feels in himself the strength to fulfill the demands made in the above speech. However horrible the form assumed by the guardian, it is only the effect of the student's own past life. His own character risen out of him into independent existence. This awakening is brought about by the separation of will, thought, and feeling. To feel for the first time that one has oneself called a spiritual being into existence is in itself an experience of deepest significance. This uh, Again, I'm thinking of um, me interjecting again. Ursula K. Le Guin's A Wizard of Earthsea and what took place in that story. All right, continuing. The student's preparation must aim at enabling him to endure the terrible sight without a trace of timidity and at the moment of the meeting to feel his strength so increased that he can undertake fully conscious the responsibility for transforming and beautifying the guardian. If successful, this meeting with the guardian results in the student's next physical death being an entirely different event from the death as he knew it formerly. 100% agree with that. That night shifted my life forever in a different direction. It gives me fucking chills. Uh, continuing, he experiences death consciously by laying aside the physical body as one discards a garment that is worn out or perhaps rendered useless through a sudden rent. Thus, his physical death is of special importance only for those living with him, whose perception is still restricted to the world of senses. For them, the student dies, but for himself, nothing of importance has changed in his own environment. The entire supersensible world stood open to him before his death, and it is this same world that now confronts him after death. Me interjecting again. What if humanity had the courage to face that? Can you imagine if we could face ourselves and take responsibility for ourselves, which this figure, this is what he's calling, this is the duty, this is the adventure we're being called to and the duty we're being called to by this figure, this Hermanubis or Anubis or um, the black man at the crossroads or there's so many archetypes from different traditions that is this figure, this shapeshifter, this guardian on the threshold at the, the threshold of death. And there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that upon death, Everyone will meet this figure. What he looks like is dependent on that person. That person's karma. So 
taking that into consideration, going back over all the near-death experiences and the books on near-death experiences, this can this for me is something it's it's taken on a new level of interest. Uh, but uh, all right, continuing. <sighs> this is so heavy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, the guardian of the threshold is also encountered with other matters. The person belongs to a family, a nation, a race. His activity in this world depends upon his belonging to some such community. His individual character is also connected with it. The conscious activity of individual persons by no means exhausts everything to be reckoned with in a family, a nation, or a race. Besides their character, families, nations, and races have also their destiny. For persons restricted to their senses, these things remain mere general ideas, and the materialistic thinker in his prejudice will look down with contempt on the spiritual scientist when he hears that, for him, family and national character, lineal or racial destiny, are vested in beings just as real as the personality in which the character and destiny of the individual man are vested. The spiritual scientist becomes acquainted with higher worlds of which the separate personalities are members, just as arms and legs are members of the human being. Besides the separate individuals, a very real family and national group, soul and racial spirit is at work in the life of a family, a people or a race. Indeed, in a certain sense, the separate individuals are merely the executive organs of these family groups, souls, racial spirits, and so on. It is nothing but the truth to say, for instance, that a national group soul makes use of each individual man belonging to that nation for the execution of some work. The group soul of a people does not descend into physical reality, but dwells in the higher worlds, and in order to Work in the physical world makes use of the physical organs of each individual human being. In a higher sense, it is like an architect making use of workmen for executing the details of a building. In the truest sense, everyone receives his allotted task from his family, national, or racial group soul. Uh, very much speaking to the egregore, the notion of the egregore. Now, the ordinary person is by no means initiated into the higher design of his work. He joins unconsciously in the task of his people and of his race. From the moment the student meets the guardian, he must not only know his own task, but must knowing collaborate in those of his folk, his race. Every extension of his horizon necessarily enlarges the scope of his duties. What actually happens is that the student adds a new body to his finer soul body. He puts on a second garment. Hitherto, he found his way through the world with the coverings enveloping his personality and what he had to accomplish for his community, his nation, his race, was directed by higher spirits who made use of his personality. And now a further revelation made to him by the guardian of the threshold is that henceforth these spirits will withdraw their guiding hand from him. He must step out of the circle of his community. Yet as an isolated personality, he would become hardened in himself and decline into ruin did not he himself acquire those powers which are vested in the national and racial spirits. Many, no doubt, will say, oh, I have entirely freed myself from all lineal and racial connections. I only want to be a human being and nothing but a human being. 
To these one must reply, who then brought you to this freedom? Was it not your family who placed you in the world where you now stand? Have you not your lineage, your nation, your race to thank for being what you are? They have brought you up, and if now exalted above all prejudices, you are one of the light bringers and benefactors of your stock and even of your race. It is up to their upbringing that you owe it. Yes, even when you say you are nothing but a human being, even the fact that you have become such a personality, you owe to the spirits of your communities. Uh, only the esoteric student learns what it means to be entirely cut off from his family, national, or racial spirit. He alone realizes through a personal experience the insignificance of all such education in respect of the life now confronting him. For everything inculcated by education completely melts away when the threads binding will, thought, and feeling are severed. He looks back on the result of all his previous education as he might on a house crumbling away brick by brick, which he must now rebuild in a new form. And again, it is more than a mere symbolical expression to say that when the guardian has enunciated his first statement, there arises from the spot where he stands a whirlwind which extinguishes all those spiritual lights that have hitherto illumined the pathway of his life. Utter darkness, relieved only by the rays issuing from the guardian himself, unfolds before the student, and out of this darkness resounds the guardian's further admonition, Step not across my threshold until thou dost clearly realize that thou wilt thyself illumine the darkness ahead of thee. Take not a single step forward until thou art positive that thou hast sufficient oil in thy own lamp. The lamps of the guides whom thou hast hitherto followed will no longer be available to thee. At these words, the student must turn and glance backward. The guardian of the threshold now draws aside a veil which till now had concealed deep life mysteries. Jesus Christ, the family, national, and racial spirits are revealed to the student in their full activity so that he perceives clearly on one hand how he has hitherto been led and no less clearly, on the other hand, that he will henceforward no longer enjoy this guidance. <clears throat> Just lost my place. Uh, that is the second warning received at the threshold from its guardian. Without preparation, no one could endure the sight of what here has been indicated. But the higher training, which makes it possible at all for the student to advance up to the threshold, simultaneously puts him in a position to find the necessary strength at the right moment. Indeed, the training can be so harmonious in its nature that the entry into the higher life is relieved of everything of an agitating or tumultuous character. His experience at the threshold will then be attended by a premonition of that felicity which is to provide the keynote of his newly awakened life. The feeling of a new freedom will outweigh all other feelings, and intended by this feeling, his new duties and responsibilities will appear as something which man at a particular stage of life must needs take upon himself. So next time we may continue with chapter 10, Life and Death, the Greater Guardian of the Threshold. But uh, 
Oh, my God. There's so much there uh, that bears incredible weight for the sole reason I've experienced it. And the Guardian did make a proclamation, did speak. Oh, wow. All right, uh, I'm going to uh, cut cut it there, and I'm going to go do some chores and stuff. Oh, chores. All right, until next time.